0: Welcome to gruesome your horrific true crime podcast i am meg and hey hun boss babe connie is gonna <gasps> hey hun boss babe connie is gonna tell us all about the lululemon murder <laughs> in episode 47 do i have a deal for you
1: guys you want to get in it's ground floor it's breaking
0: we know Are you, you want to quit of- your day job <laughs> Listen to true crime podcasts all day with us.
1: Yeah. I also 10 out of 10 recommend people watch the new Lulu row, Lulu row, Lulu rich, Lulu rich thing.
0: Yeah. It's Cause that is a scam and a half. Like it is. it's awesome. It's a great, it's great. You should, re- you should watch it.
1: So you could be appalled. Also. I want to say one size, my ass
0: because I put those on once and I was like, well, I've seen your ass. <laughs> <laughs>
1: If you have anything more than a flat ass, you're not fitting into those. Shout out to me. Hey, we got like opposite ass. ends of the spectrum. <laughs> we we do, do.
0: We have opposite asses.
1: <laughs> These
0: people don't care. Anyways,
1: <laughs> well, speaking of leggings, good segue. So if you see me out running errands, and by that I mean you know go to Starbucks, Goodwill, Target, you're gonna see me in leggings and a t-shirt. I consider myself a yoga pants slash legging connoisseur and i just realized that says connie sewer and Connie sewer <laughs> it's i'm gonna trademark that but the holy grail of leggings is not the lularoe mlm marketing scheme but lululemon and by and i love them and by that i mean i've never bought a pair of my, myself because i can't, i can't afford 100. them
0: hundred dollars but i found
1: some like soft dupes on amazon from a tiktok that i watched and if they are anything better than what i'm wearing most days they are i they're great i did
0: i bought those amazon ones also yep. and they are really good <laughs> i want to buy some like one maybe day. on poshmark or something like Second hand? Uh, no,
1: because this yeah, may be TMI work- for some of the gross. Like, this may be too much for some of the guys. But, like, I know how gross and sweaty I get if I'm, like, running around, not working out or just, like, sleeping and I'm like a fat potato. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't want anyone Someone else this.
0: farted in those and I <laughs> yeah. don't want them.
1: <laughs> and I'm the queen of buying second hand. And that's one road I don't go down. So, typically, people who are wearing this brand, they're serious about their health, serious about working out. And as Elle Woods would say, exercise gives you endorphins. Endorphins make you happy. Happy people don't shoot their husbands. They just don't. So you would think a store that sells the best athletic wear would be the very last place that you would think of for the scene of an absolute brutal murder. So trigger warning for brutality, murder, sexual assault, just our typical weekly notes Um, On the evening of March 11th, 2011, the shopping road known as Bethesda Row was bustling with people in Bethesda, Maryland. That day, Apple had just released its new iPad 2 and people were lined up to grab one. And it sounds like it's even further away when I say iPad 2. (laughs) Because I think they just this week announced like whatever new one is out and it's you know, they,
0: I thought it is the new iPhone, right? IPhone, yeah, the new like iPhone 13 is coming out. I don't know if it's called 13, but... Yeah, the iPhone 13, a new Apple Watch,
1: date to be determined, and a new iPad.
0: Whoa. So the evening
1: came to a close. The Apple employees went to work closing out their sales for the day. And to anyone passing by, it seemed like your typical March evening. The Lululemon store was located directly next to the Apple store. They actually shared a thin wall so thin, in fact, that they could potentially hear if anything out of the ordinary was going on next door. But it seems like people have learned nothing in the fifth, almost 50 years at the time since Kitty Genevieve's murder. Uh, plug back to one of Megan's earlier
0: episodes. Earlier. Yeah.
1: And Spam. actually 50 years. So this was the 11th. She was murdered on March 13th. So literally 47 years almost to the day. Uh, But we'll get to how that pertains in a little bit. So the next morning, opening manager Rachel Ortelli arrives to open the store. And when she reaches the front door, she realizes it's unlocked. Meg, you worked retail. What would your thought have been if you went to open one of your stores and the door was unlocked?
0: You don't go in. You don't go in. Don't you stop. You call whoever closed. If they don't answer, I call the cops.
1: Rachel was the general manager for the store. She loved, quote, her girls. She loved her store so much, in fact, that she rented an apartment directly across the street from the store. She was understandably upset when she realized the front door was unlocked. And even though the closing manager, uh, Jaina, was one of her best friends, she was pissed. Rachel broke Meg's cardinal rule and walked in. She went in. And as soon as she walked in, she knew that something wasn't right. And I don't know if you've ever been in a Lululemon. (laughs) They are pristine. Like everything you would expect from a high-end store. They have fresh flowers. Everything is like extremely neat and tidy. They have
0: fresh flowers? Fresh
1: flowers.
0: Ooh, that's awesome.
1: To Rachel's dismay, she immediately noticed that a table had been knocked over. A flat screen TV had been smashed on the floor. Yoga attire was scattered everywhere. Upon further inspection and to her horror... Rachel noticed there was blood smeared on the table and bloody footprints on the floor. She heard low moaning coming from the back of the store. So she booked it the hell out of there. And honestly, when I first read that, my like mama instinct kicked in and I was like, oh my God, why wouldn't you go back there to see what was going on? But then my realism kicked in. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: I feel like, no. I was
1: was like, yeah, I would have gotten the hell out of there too. Like at first, I was like, oh my God, like, why wouldn't you? And then it's like, oh yeah, I wouldn't have either.
0: Well, you don't know if someone is still in there. You don't exactly. know. And if you go in and like, let's say, just say it's just a robbery. You go in and you mess up any potential mm-hmm. evidence. It You can implicate yourself. You just stay yeah, and out and say, nope, sorry. Maybe it anywhere. is a victim back there, but it could also be like an assailant
1: who is injured. Yep, And that's just like not a situation I would want to tackle on my own. This isn't law and order. And I'm not protective <laughs> Benson. It's just not happening. She ran out of the store into a crowd of eager Apple customers who were already standing in line for the iPad 2. Sitting on a bench, smoking a cigarette, was Ryan Hall, who asked Rachel if she was okay. She told him what she saw, and he was like, do you want me to go in there and take a look? Which, like, good no. on him for being a good Samaritan. Because, you know, she was worried someone was hurt back there. But I can't even, like, say if I saw someone running out in distress, I would even approach them.
0: Yeah, and I, I mean, I might, yeah, I probably would be like, hey, are you okay? What's up? And, like, offer to call the.
1: Yeah, like, that would be the extent of mine. I'd be like, do you want me to call the police? Not, do you want me to go see what's going on? Yeah. At first, he saw the same scene that Rachel did. The chaos up front the bloody footprints, which were located in equally chaotic fashion. He yelled to see if anyone was there. There was no answer. He went to the back where there was a half open door and he could see through there at the end of the hallway against the door. He saw a body that he believed to be of a man and it was just covered in blood. He turned around to like book it the hell out of there. And he, when he ran by the bathrooms, he saw another body. This was one of a woman She was also surrounded by blood spatter. She had cuts all over her hands, arms, and chest. She had a gaping gash on her head. Her hands and feet had been zip-tied, and her hands were awkwardly placed above her head. So, like, if you're a patriarch, you'll be able to see it. Like, she was, like, up like this. He realized that her yoga pants had been ripped, like, in the front, exposing her genitals. He stared at her for a second, and even though she was just laying there motionless, he noticed that she was breathing shallowly. So she was alive. Whoa. He ran outside, told Rachel to call 911. He told her there was a dead man in the back of the store and that there was a second girl in the store who had likely been sexually assaulted, badly injured, but she was alive. When Rachel was on the phone with 911, she said, I'm a little crazy right now. I'm scared. One of my girls is hurt. Oh my God. Oh my God. It only took a few minutes for officer Kristen Nuth to arrive on the scene. She told Rachel and Ryan, stay outside. She pulled out her gun because she assumed someone was still in there and they could jump out and try to attack her. She saw the woman bound in the bathroom, radioed for, you know, ambulance. She forced the door open in the hallway where she stepped into a horrifying scene. There was blood spatter on the wall that was over six feet high. There was (laughs) blood smeared on the push door exit. Facing away from her towards the wall lay the body of the man that Ryan had seen. Only once the officer got closer, she realized it wasn't a man. It was a woman. She laid in a pool of blood. Her blonde hair was a mess of tangles and blood. A toolbox had fallen across her shoulder and neck, which explained why she looked like big and broad. Her pants and underwear had been neatly tore. And that was a key detail. Like it wasn't frenzied. It was a neat tear. Um, her butt was showing. When Officer Nuth leaned down to further examine the body, she realized that she had no pulse. Within minutes, the woman in the bathroom was on her way to a local hospital. She told the nurses her name was Brittany Norwood. She was an employee at the Lululemon store. It didn't take cops long for them to head to this hospital to get a statement because, you know, you want statements when it's fresh.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And they were, I don't want to say hoping because that's not the right word, but they were wanting to confirm what Rachel feared that the other victim was the closing manager that night, her friend, Jana Murray. Jana's face was unrecognizable when they first attempted to identify her body. Her belongings were scattered, scattered around like her bag. And that's how like they assumed that that's who she was. Brittany Norwood had only been working at the Bethesda Lululemon for about a month before her attack. She was 28, very petite. She was only about five foot two, less than 130 pounds. She was described as petite and jacked, and I guess like at one point she had like a impromptu push-up battle, push-up competition with a customer at the store, and she beat him. Good, good for her. She was a star athlete in high school and college. She played soccer. She came from a huge family. She had four brothers, four sisters. She was oh, always that laughing. Is a huge family. Yeah, <laughs> I think huge now. And I'm like, oh, there was four of them.
0: yeah exactly (laughs) oh there was nine of them
1: yeah she was always laughing and smiling she loved to look good her hair and her nails were always done she ate at the best restaurants had the best clothes which surprised some of her friends because they were like how are you doing this on your 12 dollars an hour
0: job yeah
1: yeah she knew that lululemon wasn't like the end game Her friend had recently told her that she should apply to this luxury gym called Equinox, which I've never heard of it. I don't know if it's like a big city thing, but I guess the personal trainers there make a lot of money and her friend was making a lot of money. So Brittany applied. She had her first interview. She did so well that she was invited back for a second interview. Um, She got the email just two days before her vicious attack saying like, hey, we want you to come back. We look forward to working with you. But now she laid in a hospital bed completely in shock. She had all of the wounds I had previously described. She had a deep cut in between her thumb and her pointer finger. And like she had that huge gash on her head. Detective Deanna Mackey was a 19-year veteran cop who specialized in homicide and sex crimes. She was sent in to interview Brittany to find out what happened. Brittany was able to recall in detail over the course of a 45-minute interview what happened the night before. And trigger warning, this is very graphic, but the details are important to the story, which is why I have to tell you guys. She said that her and Jana closed up the store around 9.45. Jana headed for her car, and Brittany went towards the metro. A few minutes later, she realized that she had left her wallet in the store, which had her metro card in it. So she called Jana to see if she would let her back in the store because Jana had the keys. And they looked for her wallet for about 10 minutes, but they couldn't find it. Jaina offered Brittany her own Metro card so she could get home. And as they started towards the front of the store to exit, two men suddenly jumped them. They were dressed head to toe in black and had masks covering their faces. Jaina was hit in the back of the head. And another man hit Brittany from behind and drug her by her hair to the back of the store and started to cut her all over her body with a sharp object. When she was telling the story, Brittany was sobbing. Her words were barely understandable as she recounted the events from the evening. She said that the man told her if she said another word, he would slit her throat. As he drug her to the back of the store, he slurred racial and misogynistic insults at her. He said She said that he pushed her onto the floor in the bathroom and told her that if she didn't stop moving, he was going to make sure that she never had kids as he went to slice down her stomach. Oh, he continued with horrible racial slurs ones that i'm not even going to say you they have uh, there's a book called Murder at the Yoga Store i'll link it in the notes it is great it goes into way incredible detail that you know it's not necessary for me to say but you know it's it's a good book um after uh so he brutally sexually assaulted her after he finished raping her she said that trigger warning he assaulted her with a wooden clothes hanger. Ugh, what She's, the fuck. Yeah, she said that she could hear Jaina in the other room, as well as the Apple employees in the store next door. So she kept thinking they're going to hear us. Someone's going to come save us because if I can hear them, they can hear me. She said the whole time she was hearing Jaina be savagely beaten. She said that she heard something break, then she heard her being dragged to the back into the back hallway. She said that Jaina false fought so long and so hard and he just kept beating her she said that her screams eventually faded into faintness and then nothing and by the end of her statement she was a sobbing mess she kept saying how she tried to help her and that she tried to run out the back door but she was pulled back by her hair she kept saying there was so much blood more blood than i've ever seen before i tried to help Jana; she was bleeding so much detective Mackey told her you can't even think that this was your fault yeah, You could no. not know what would happen. Brittany asked Detective Mackey how her friend was doing. Oh. Detective Mackey dodged the question by telling her that she didn't know because she hadn't been to the store, she came straight to the hospital. She tried to change the conversation by asking Brittany if she could describe her assailants. She said that one was really tall, over six feet, and one was very short. She said that she couldn't tell by looking at them what their race was because they were completely covered with gloves and masks, but their voice sounded voices sounded white. She said that before they left, they put zip ties around her hands and her feet, and she blacked out until the next morning when police came. Back at the store, it was a media circus. The Bethesda Police Department had assigned two lead detectives to the case, Jim Drury and Dimitri Reuven, and they're described as being polar opposites. So I don't know if you're familiar with Law & Order SVU, (laughs) but I got Munch and Finn vibes. So... (laughs) You know, like Ice-T and his partner. (laughs) (laughs) Jim Drury was the oldest and most respected detective on the unit. And Dimitri Reuven was the youngest member of the Homicide and Sex Crime Squad. Detective Reuven said that this was a real-life CSI episode and that everything was exactly where Brittany said it was. This would be the last case that Detective Drury would work on. He retired after this one.
0: I don't blame him. Wholesome side note,
1: he was known to be a very dapper dresser, complete with, like, sweater vests that he wore, like, every day. And I was just like, oh. But Bethesda Row was in chaos over this. People didn't believe that there could be two masked assailants running around murdering girls in this normally quiet suburb. It was a stark change from the usual quiet environment that Bethesda had to offer.
0: Yeah, this it's a Lululemon store in... It's like a, it's a high volume area. Like it's big, it's money area.
1: This isn't downtown DC. Like Bethesda is described as the city of achievers where Harvard is a household name. The company Honest Tea, uh, they're set up right across the street from this Lululemon store. And it's described as this bubble where the crime of DC doesn't come. It's like, you know, this facade of a safe haven suburbia that this brutal murder shattered that.
0: Yeah, no doubt. The billionaire
1: founder of Lululemon offered $125,000 reward for information regarding uh, Britney's rape and Jada's murder. And I have to give you an idea of who Jada Murray was because she, is, she was everything that I aspire to be as an adult. She was 30 years old. Many people considered her the most dynamic person they've ever known. She literally traveled the world. She had been to every single continent besides Antarctica. She was the life of the party, the spark in any friendship. She was said to have had a full-body laugh that was contagious. She went skydiving. She went bungee jumping for her 30th birthday, which was just a few months before. Um, Everyone said she had a smile that would light up the room. She had two older brothers and parents who were obsessed with her. She did gymnastics. She Did discus, shot put. She was a natural dancer. She was planning on uh, being a Broadway dancer. She like specialized in tap. But I guess uh, someone who was previously a Broadway dancer had told her like how horrible that lifestyle was and how like cutthroat. So she changed her career path to be a business and communications major at George Washington University in D.C. She enrolled in enrolled in grad school at John Hopkins to pursue two master's degrees one in business administration one in communication and at the time of her murder she was only 10 weeks away from earning her degrees her plan was to use yeah her plan was to use lululemon as a platform to advance like within to management within the company like on the corporate side of it she even wrote her master's thesis on how lululemon could use social media classes in new york city because lululemon's a canadian-based company And she even wrote a crisis communication plan that they could implement in case of an in-store disaster where the, like one of the first quotes in that her paper was to protect like human life is the most valuable. Like she went on to talk about like how a lot of them were wearing like leggings and like the yoga pants and how it could like warrant unwanted attention. It's like kind of crazy that that's the type of paper she wrote. She was considered a very frank person, but not in like a rude way. After she finished her degree, she planned on moving back to Seattle to be with her long-term boyfriend, Fraser. A Fraser that lives in Seattle? Like, come on now. It uh, can't known be him. a
0: coincidence. Like, someone's <laughs> parents knew exactly <laughs> what they were doing.
1: She had known him since seventh grade, and she had planned to marry him one day, which I was like, ah, oh, just ripped my heart out. That sucks. Because of her high energy personality, her mom said that she was like a chronic nail biter, which same.
0: Also, me too.
1: So much that when her parents were told of the murder, that was the first, her mom asked, did she have fingernails? Because like her mom didn't want to believe it. And then she asked like if, during the autopsy, they saw if she had fingernails. The autopsy revealed absolute carnage. Mary Ripple, the medical examiner, had done more than 3,000 autopsies, and she said she had never seen anything like this. Jada had 232 blunt force injuries, 99 sharp force injuries. She had 100 wounds to her head, 39 of them on her face. She had eight cracks in her skull, bruises everywhere, including down on her legs, The wound that would be determined to be the fatal wound that would kill her was a three and a half inch stab directly into her skull, into her cerebellum. Oh my God. In total, she counted 331 separately identifiable wounds. And some of the wounds couldn't be counted because there were wounds on top of other wounds. But Jaina fought like hell. She had a hundred and like 105 of these wounds were defensive wounds and she fought all the way until the very end because it was determined that she was alive for every single one of these wounds up until the fatal uh, wound into her skull. Yeah. Because all the other ones would like had like bruising and bleeding, which you can only have if your heart is beating and the one in her skull did not have that. So the attacker didn't just use one weapon. She was attacked by five to 10, like five to possibly 10 weapons from around the store Including a hammer, a wrench, a straight edged bod- box cutter, a wheeled box cutter, a metal peg used to hold up store mannequins, a steel, like one of those steel rods that you use to get like the clothes on top of the, the high up close. Um, and then she had a rope that was tied around her neck.
0: Jeez, what yeah. the heck? Like who? It's just, they're just grabbing whatever they can reach. Exactly. I just don't yeah. understand. Yeah. The final wound
1: came from a long serrated knife that the girls would use to trim the fresh flowers that were around the store. One detail stuck out from Brittany's story that the detectives had to follow immediately. And she said that she could hear hear the Apple employees next door. So like I said before, if she could hear them, they could hear her, right? So first they recovered the tape from Apple's surveillance system to look for clues because Lululemon didn't have a surveillance system. They didn't find anything at first until the very end of the tape. Two men walk across the screen, one tall, one short. One was wearing a hat, like one of the ones you could pull down to be a ski mask. One of them was wearing a backpack. And it was showing about an hour after Brittany said they re-entered the store. Both were dressed in all black. And this is like this. They thought this is the break that they thought they needed. Now they just had to track down these two men. The next bombshell came from the fact that two, when they were asked if they could hear anything next door, two Apple employees said they actually heard everything that was happening.
0: Okay, this is going to piss you
1: off because when I was reading this book, I was like, I am fuming right now. I am fuming. After 10 p.m., manager Janice Ferzo said that she and other managers were tallying up their receipts from the day, They're counting their spoils of war, She said that she heard something going on next door. So she put her ear to the wall to listen and she could hear a strange combination of thuds, screams, heavy breathing. She said it sounded like something heavy was being hit or dragged. She said that she heard high pitched squealing, yelping, a female voice making hysterical sounds. She said that she thought she was crazy. So she had another manager Ricardo Rios come listen to like, see if that's what she was actually hearing. And he's like, yeah, I hear the same thing. He described it as heavy panting. Like when you can't breathe, when you're trying to catch your breath, he said between the thuds, he heard two female voices. One was saying, talk to me, tell me what's going on. Why won't you talk to me? Talk to me. The other one was saying, stop. Oh God,
0: please help me. God. I understand that they didn't know. um, this is what pisses me off yeah they said like uh, yeah i'm sorry i don't even have words i'm so just like flustered by
1: Mm -hmm. by my face is getting red because i'm flustered yeah they said after things began to slow down and there were only a few screams or yells but no conversations no words they both walked away from the wall and someone else was like what's going on and they were like just some drama just some
0: drama where people are
1: literally begging for their lives the indoor cameras at Apple showed that they went to listen to the sounds on the wall around 10, 10. They walked away around 10:19. They had nine minutes to react, nine minutes to call the police, nine minutes to send the two security guards that were in Apple next door to check out what the hell was going on. They did nothing. And that's what
0: pisses. Yeah, because they had an iPad release that day. Oh, yeah. I'm, I didn't know that they mm-hmm. had their own security for that. But, yeah, certainly. I would imagine that they're that not around. insured. Like, if they something were, just, were like, to kids. happen to them in another store, it probably wouldn't. <clears throat> uh. <sighs> but, like, clearly, if someone is
1: say, like, I understand if it's just, like, you hear people yelling and you're like, all right, that's some drama. But you're hearing shit going down. Like, stuff is going down. This is not just, like, oh,
0: I could understand, like... Maybe if I just heard like the, why won't you talk to me? Talk to me. Come on. And like that kind of stuff. Like maybe Mm -hmm. that's a fight and that you don't want to get yourself in the middle of. But when someone's yelling like, oh, God, please help. Like someone help me. Mm -hmm. Help if you can.
1: What makes me the most ill about that is Jada was alive until that very last stab wound. And they could have saved her.
0: Yeah. I'm sure that they live with that though mm-hmm. and i'm sure that it sucks yeah detectives
1: drury and reuven enlisted the help of the community to find the men that britney had described they set up surveillance and sure enough around 11 p.m two men walked around the corner in front of the lululemon store because their thought was whoever did this is going to want to come back
0: they're going to you know, see like, what they yeah
1: mm-hmm. one was tall one was short both of them dressed in black and they're like holy shit this is this is it these are these guys." They were busboys at a restaurant around the corner and they did walk in front of the cameras that night, but they were walking from work. The restaurant confirmed their alibi. They never left. They were at work that night and it seemed like they were back to square one.
0: Oh, it wasn't them. Oh, it wasn't them. (laughs) I was like, dang, they were busboys and they did this.
1: The audacity for real. Detectives Drury and Reuven hadn't met Brittany yet. They went the next day because she went home the next day after her, like after the day after she was in the hospital, she was in the hospital for one day because all of her wounds were superficial besides the one across her head and the one between her fingers. She, they asked her what happened. She recounted like almost word for word. She added in details, like, you know, they smelled like cigarettes. They laughed during it. Like they were playing a game and he was like a game. They were like, yeah, like they were stealing stuff. He's like, like Grand Theft Auto. And she was like, yeah, like Grand Theft Auto. Detective Rubin said that it was hard to listen to because he kept thinking, I can't believe what she went through. They asked her about a new detail that forensics had discovered. They found a pair of bloody men's shoes on the shelf at the store that matched the prints made throughout the store. What was weird is there was blood on top of them, but the bottoms were clean. They also didn't have any laces. When they showed Brittany the shoes, she was like, oh yeah, those are the shoes we sell in the store. They're part of a small amount of men's clothing that we sell. So the young detective was mulling everything over and he couldn't shake the fact that there were shoes from inside the store. What did the assailants wear into the store? Why wasn't there any blood outside the store? How could the same murderers who brutally murdered Jaina only produce superficial wounds on Brittany? Despite her pants being torn, there was no evidence of sexual assault against Jaina, but Brittany recounted a brutal rape. All of the weapons used to murder Jaina were from inside the store. Who commits a crime like this and just assumes all of the tools in their arsenal are going to be at the Lululemon store? Brittany had described the maximum of all evils. Rapists, robbers, racists, murderers. And Detective Reuven is quoted as saying, it might be f- possible to find one, Hannibal Lecter, but two, that's rare. This detail set a train of thoughts off that led this case in a direction no one could believe. The theory that Detective Reuben had was so extreme that he didn't even want to tell his partner when his partner asked what was up. Detective Drury could tell that he was in a funk, and when he asked him, like, hey, what's up, man? He said, I'm beginning to think there weren't any masked men. I'm beginning to think Brittany killed Jaina. Drury said that he didn't want to believe it. He said that it was too far-fetched. So Reuven decided to keep the ideas to himself. He said he went back to his cubicle. He started writing his own notes. Drury peeked his head over, and he was like, I want you to tell the rest of the unit what you think. He said they erupted with a bunch of like, no way, there's no fucking way this girl did this. But the sergeant on the case said, no, no, no. Let's try to look at it from this way. They brought in a veteran cop who specialized in self-inflicted wounds. They started looking at pictures. The cop said, if there's wounds, they're self-inflicted. They're going to be straight lines. They're going to be parallel. They're just going to be skin deep, just flesh wounds. That's exactly what Brittany had. Even the wounds on her back were able to be self-inflicted. The the only thing that hung them up was the way her pants were cut, exposing her genitals. Because the nurse who did the rape kit said there was no evidence of trauma or tenderness to her vagina, but that did not indicate the absence of a rape. But Brittany gave chilling details about how she was sexually assaulted for a long time with a wooden clothes hanger. So it seemed unlikely that there would be no trauma. The forensics expert also noted how there was only two sets of footprints. Britney's size 7.5 New Balances and this random size 14 that belonged to the store. And all of the men's size shoe, they were directly on top of the Britney's footprint. They're, they were like they were made one after another. So they'd be like Britney's and then the man's. It wasn't like they were being made at the same time. Like there was a scuffle. Then they located Jaina's car three blocks away from the store. Inside, there was blood evidence as well as a Lululemon hat in the back seat with blood inside it. The DNA of the blood, primarily Britney's. With traces of Jaina. The hat in the back was bloodstained. Like on the inside, the only DNA that it belonged to was Brittany. So they asked Brittany to come to the station to give her DNA for elimination purposes. So she like trotted down there. And they're like, well, we're going to try and catch her in a small lie. Because if we can add up these small lies, maybe we can get her to crack. So they start to ask her if, about Jana's car. Have you ever seen Jana's car?" She was like, "I've seen it a couple times. Can you describe it? Uh, not really. Have you ever been inside of it?" No, never." They asked to recount her story again, because this time they're recording it. She doesn't know they're recording it. Uh, she detective jury is like, "Hey, can you speak up? I'm a little hard of hearing." So they also asked her to have her sexual partner come in and give a semen sample to rule him out. But she's like, I haven't had sex in well over a week. And the rapist was quote only in me briefly. And that a clothes hanger doesn't leave traces of semen. Only she had told other employees at the store that she had been like, uh, sexually involved with the college basketball player that she met at the store. And the rape kit had shown traces of semen that were less than a week old. So at this point they're thinking, all right, now we have her in two lies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they try to figure out how to get her back to the station, but they don't have to wait long because she calls and she's like, I remembered some more details. I need to talk to you. She told them that she had something she needed to get off her chest and that she didn't tell them everything. So they're like, okay, this is it she comes in with her sister and her brother and the detective set them up in a soundproof interview room with a hidden camera. They have her brother Chris and sister Marissa sit outside as they begin to talk to her. She tells them she actually remembered that she had seen Jada's car and the attackers actually made her drive it three blocks away after the attack and then come back. She said that they said they knew where she lived. Uh. And yeah, that if she tried to run, they would kill her. The detectives kept their poker faces like, oh, okay. Like, so they asked like follow-up questions like, well, why didn't you just drive or go to the police? They knew where I lived. They said they had my address. Well, how did they know where you were going? Well, they were standing there watching me and she sobbed through the whole thing. Then they bring her siblings over thinking like maybe like them being there could help her open up about what really happened. Detective Drury looked at her and said, you're going to tell them what happened or I'm going to tell them what happened. And she just stood there, like sat there cold. They tried the whole good cap, bad cop routine. And she still would just sit there like cold. Uh, Detective Drury was like, Hey, I know sometimes you just have stuff you got to get off your chest. One time, you know, I broke my parents VCR and I even tried to like take it out of the house. Like it never happened. Like. Maybe something happened. You said there was a lot of like racial slurs. Did she say that to you? Did she maybe slap you first? Like what happened? She remained silent. So before her siblings came back in, they read her, her Miranda rights. Detective jury did it in a very casual way and said, oh, this is just a formality. And there is an oxygen special that you can watch regarding this. And it has the interview and it is insane. You can literally watch her turn on and off the waterworks. Like when it's necessary, she'll start crying and then she'll just get like cold and callous. It's
0: terrifying. I already have thoughts as to why this happened, but I'm still listening. Go on, go on. After her siblings came in and for
1: 30 minutes, they gave details that broke Britney's original story. Her sister, Marissa, went into shock, had to leave the room. Her brother didn't seem like he believed the police. He had rebuttals for every one of the pieces of evidence against Brittany, saying he knows it's a socioeconomic thing. And that's why like she's being blamed. Bethesda just needs to solve this case because of where it was located. And finally he's like, can I just talk to her by myself? No. Well, the detectives let him when they leave. He asked her if she didn't, she kept saying, I don't want to talk about this here. I want to go home. He told her, He's like, I know it seemed like I didn't believe the police, but like, you know, this really looks bad. He said, quote, everything he just told me and I didn't look like I was convinced, but this is really fucking convincing. You're going to have to tell me so I can at least try to get you out of here. This is going to get a hell of a lot worse. He immediately asked her, did she catch you trying to steal?
0: Yep, she did, didn't she? I fucking knew it, man. She Ugh. asked
1: "Jana caught her shoplifting. Because at this point, what no one knows is Brittany has a long, long history of literally being a klepto. She stole from stores, friends, teammates. She was fired from one Lululemon previous to this, like for stealing. And this is like not a secret. The people who knew her knew she like, was a thief.
0: He so then her asked, "Like you steal shit? Were mm-hmm. you stealing?"
1: He then asked her, "What did she do to make you fight her?" And I was like, "First of all, Chris." Yeah. That wasn't a fight. Like, that was fucking brutality. She kept asking if they were recording this. And he's like, no, there aren't any cameras in here or recording devices. I've been checking this the whole time. (laughs) The whole time. (laughs) Like, I looked everywhere. He also tells his sister that she needed to learn to lie to the police because she kept looking down and left every time she lied. And that he knows because he lies all the time. So he knows how to do it.
0: She's Louise. You should have not learned what your sister just did. That way you could have at least been ignorant. Well, as he's saying all of this,
1: the two detectives are watching down the hall on CCTV. So as they listen to this, they're like, all right, we're going to we're going to officially arrest her. And at one forty one fifty four that day, a week after the murder, Brittany was arrested for killing Jaina. Her parents were called and told about it and they were on the way to her funeral when they found out.
0: Oh, that's yeah. awful. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if this is true because I've never been in that position. But it might be relief to mm-hmm. find out how like who did it and yeah. it happened and to and know honestly- that, that person now isn't just running around. Yeah. And that was like kind of the sigh of relief because obviously once she
1: was arrested, the media got a hold of it and they were like, hey, there are no assailants. There are no masked men. It was this crazy little bitch who worked at the store. It's it's insane. It's insane over a pair of like because they weren't even the full length logo pants. They were cropped pants. We'll get to that in a minute. But like they were cropped leggings. She was in prison for seven months before her trial. And the prosecutors were going for murder one and the maximum penalty of life without the possibility of parole, which I'm here for that. Uh Marilyn doesn't Mm -hmm. have a death penalty. You earned that. They told her parents, uh, Jaina's parents, that they could offer a plea deal so they wouldn't have to listen to what happened. But they said that they needed the trial for closure and that the case should go to trial. So no plea bargain was offered. Um and the prosecutors were genuinely worried, like, okay, she murdered her co-worker over nothing. Like, if she like, if she gets out, she's going to do this again. The first time her older brother, Hugh, saw Brittany in court, he said that he thought, quote, and this is in the book, quote, she's a small girl. She's a sorry piece of shit. And accurate. The defense didn't even try to deny that Brittany killed Jaina. In fact, the first thing he said was, Jaina was killed by Brittany. Which people had people were like, "Whoa, what the fuck!" Like, no shit. But their argument was that it was not an act of premeditation; that it, she lost control. The prosecution painted her as cold and calculated. They said that Lulu Lemon was looking for a reason to fire her because she kept stealing from the store and from other employees, but because they didn't have a surveillance system, they couldn't just fire her. So she said they realized um, the store started realizing like this stuff was only happening, like thefts from. Like, the employees were only, like, it was only happening when Brittany was working. They actually had had a meeting, like, a couple days before the murder. Like, what the hell do we do with her? And it was agreed that as soon as they caught her stealing, caught her in the act, she was gone. Jana saw that she had a pair of yoga cropped pants in her purse. And Brittany was like, uh, I bought these from another manager. So Jana was like, all right, I'm going to call that other manager. let's,
0: Let's pull your receipt. Come on, let's see it.
1: And when she called the other manager, she's like, yeah, no, I didn't sell her anything. She stole those. So on their way out, Brittany was like, I'm not dealing with this. I'm going to let Rachel know tomorrow she can handle this. So they both walk out. Brittany lured her back under the false narrative of the wallet being missing, which is why Jada's car was parked in the no parking zone. She went back to let her in. And that's when she brutally murdered Jada.
0: I don't understand. Mhm. Like you're going to get fired. Did do they prosecute? No, that she was just going to get fired. Sometimes, I mean, I know that's true sometimes. I don't think it's common as common as it should be, but like when an employee gets caught stealing, they're also prosecuted. And she knew she wasn't going to be prosecuted for it because she'd already been fired from one
1: Lululemon for stealing.
0: I can't believe they didn't did she, did they know that she had worked at Lululemon previously? Sorry, as a no. former store manager. Yeah, no, Play, they just didn't. Like, um, wh- why didn't they call the other store? <laughs> I they didn't know. <laughs> just uh, left that part off her resume. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, I mean, it's not fair. What the fudge? I know yeah. I dropped two F-bombs just because this was a ride. Yeah, took you on it. You did.
1: Um... At one point during the trial, the trial lasted like a week. um, The judge went home. So in Maryland, in order to get the maximum penalty, the jury votes to convict, but the judge has a say in the sentencing. So the judge went home and he hit the table 331 times to see how long it would take. And he said it would take 16 minutes to deliver the blows that ended Jaina's life. The jurors only took minutes to convict her of first-degree murder. Good. And it wasn't until January 2012 when she had her sentencing. Um, there were two hours worth of statements from both sides of the family. There were statements from Brittany's ex-boyfriend and his, like, now wife. Because they had restraining orders against Brittany. Because after he broke up with her, she broke into his house. She was, like, stalking the both of them. The you know Jana's parents gave testimony her brothers wrote statements the against Brittany... her or for her no Jana's siblings wrote statements like against oh Brittany. okay so you yeah. said Jaina.
0: i thought you were talking about yeah. britney's there's a lot of siblings britney's
1: bro yeah britney's brother also gave a statement like hey have mercy on her she already has to deal with all this and i was like bro no okay. one cares that you're I know it sounds bad, but no one cares if your family has to be like, oh, this is who my daughter is. That sucks. And like, I feel bad for that, but like your sister should still serve her time. I would say
0: the same thing. If it was one of my siblings. Yeah. I'd be like, smell you later.
1: You suck. Yeah. I'd be like, you're not my sibling. <laughs> I'd be like, who are you talking to sister? No, I don't know you. I never met you a day in my life. Brittany had the audacity to look at the judge and look at Jana's family and ask for mercy and forgiveness, to which I say, fuck off. The judge told her that after every blow, you had the chance to think about what you were doing. You mutilated this woman. And she was sentenced to the maximum sentence life without the possibility of parole. The judge told her she was going to die in prison. Um, The judge also went on to criticize the Apple store employees, saying the callous indifference of the people who worked at the Apple store who heard this happen didn't and did not a blessed thing to stop it. Apple refused to comment. Um, the company like never reached out to her Janus fa- family to like apologize or anything. So
0: I wonder yeah. if those uh, managers were relieved.
1: Relieved about what?
0: Relieved from their jobs. Oh, the I thought you meant, managers. Like relieved. No, no. I mean, like, uh, I wonder if the Apple managers were let go. I would. <laughs> I would. Okay mouthful of me and my pickle (laughs) i would fire the f out of them (sighs) because my landed them in very hot water because my thing
1: is this you can't be that like "Eh." because if you're that like blase about something that serious going on next or like what the hell am i supposed i can't trust you with all this apple equipment like what if somebody comes in here you're just like not my bat here take it i just have never i mean i (laughs) Like, I know that people are just... How did the blood get in her car? Okay, so uh, Brittany realized that Jaina's car was parked in a no-parking zone. And so she moved it. Police actually saw her sitting in the car. Like, they didn't think anything of it. But, like, they saw her... She sat there for, like, an hour before she walked back in. And she, what she was doing is she was sitting in there thinking about, all right. What's my story? What's my story? And then the, like... Okay. Maybe you can say there was no premeditation if you snapped and you did this. And then that was it. Like, you're just like, I would not understand, but like, I would say, okay, so you, you know, you just left. Right. And, but like, you came back in and you, you made it seem like you were assaulted. You had an entire city feeling sorry for you. And like, I guess one of the things that they were like, okay, that's weird is she was, like, her hands, when she was, like, her hands were bound above her head, they were, like, just tied at the wrist. They weren't, like, made, like, she could have just been, like, they were, like, why would you stay with your hands above your head all night? They weren't tied to anything. They were just, she was just laying like this.
0: Yeah. Oh, I just, man, that sucks. I got, like, major TV
1: show, like, TV crime show vibes when it's, like, the young detective, like, I don't know, man, something's right. Something seems fishy. And I know that's I like a more well-known. Yeah. That's like a more well-known case and some of our listeners have probably like already heard it, but
0: I hadn't heard it.
1: It's a, so. definitely
0: a twisty one. Yeah. It that's was why twisty. like, I felt,
1: that's why like, I don't like saying those type of details about like a sexual assault, but I wanted to like, I wanted to get the reaction of like, this is how gnarly she made it sound. And then be like, it was a lie. This, calculated story she told at the hospital multiple times was a complete and total lie and that's what like um detective drury said he was like you know she never changed her story which is like fine but like she never it was like a script
0: that she wrote in jana's car probably yeah wow what a bummer and, like, there my is- whole thing is, like, not that
1: I want a murderer like this to get away with it, but you only moved her car three blocks away, you dumbass. Like,
0: did you think it wasn't going to be? They would have found it, even if it wasn't, they would have found it wherever it was. Yeah. And it she would have eventually def- turned up. She had defensive wounds because Jaina also beat the shit out of her. Yeah. And that's when her- she was like 5'2, right? Yeah. And
1: Jaina was 5'5, five, five, 160, athletic AF. And her brother said the only reason why this happened is because she hit her in the back of the head first and knocked her off her guard. Like, she didn't have a chance after that. Like, she was just, like, discombobulated. Because she took the um, the um metal, like, the long metal poles that, like, you take clothing down off the top you know, of like, the rack. Yeah. Oh,
0: that's what she hit her with? Yeah. They must have, like... Mine were always really thin and kind of wobbly, but they have. I've have seen like very sturdy. versions Yeah, of those. and it's Lou Yeah, those those will do some damage for sure. Yeah, and if you are not well, expecting that's it, that's messed up. Yeah, I have the... caught i I've had employees steal, and I have had to be that person to be like, "Come on!" And I just can't imagine it going this way. Mm-hmm. It's just so intense. But I guess if she had already had a history of being a little crazy.
1: But it's still like it's just steal like not like it's just
0: stealing. Like it's just stealing. You lost no, it. It is. Sh- it's just stealing. Like if you're already like supposedly getting another job, you have email offers from mm-hmm. Like why does it matter? That's <laughs> you're stealing yeah, I, new leggings for I, your I new read, job.
1: Like in the book it said like her family was like very achievement focused. She had like two brothers who were like engineers and like she was kind of just like floating along and I just it's not like I can, like, make excuses for, like, horrendous murderers like this. But I can usually always be like, this is why they did it. But I cannot, like, I can't wrap my head around any any of this, like, at all. Like, I can't see, like, what would make someone snap over a pair of yoga pants. Like, you are literally spending the rest. You're going to die in prison over a pair of Lululemon yoga pants.
0: I think it's shame, you know? You yeah. feel ashamed that you like you obviously have something going on where to where you cannot stop stealing. Like you feel like you have to steal. And then you get caught for the second time at the same store. And it's just shame and anger at yourself. And Mm -hmm. that's really unfortunate. It makes sense now why they heard um, her saying like, no, no, let's just talk about it. Like she was trying to deescalate.
1: No, no. It was Brittany being like, no, talk to me. Like, talk to me. Oh,
0: okay. It wasn't the other one? Yeah. And
1: they said that that's like, they think that's what set her off was, Jaina was just like, I'm not fucking here in this. Like, I'm just, and it was, she kind of took the approach. Like she wasn't firing her. She was just like, I'm letting management know tomorrow. And then I don't know if they had a conversation. And then like, Brittany was yelling at her like, No, just talk to me. Like, talk to me. And, like, Britney or Jana's walking away. And that's when Britney hits her from behind. And that's when she was like, oh God, no. Cause she starts, like, savagely beating her. Like, 331 times. Please, Louise, man. Like,
0: that's crazy. That's crazy.
1: And the worst part was that was not Jana's night to close. She had swapped with someone. Like, she had swapped with a manager. And that's, when they set up the tip line they were like this was a this was a contract kill um it wasn't meant to be Jana. it was meant to be the other girl but like the girl that they said wasn't even the girl that was actually supposed to be working so they were like all right thanks we just no really want
0: to be involved that's why we called the tip line can you imagine being those bus boys though no poor things she's <laughs> yeah. louise they were just like, like Wait. I was ready to be like, wow, bus boys, I would have expected a dishwasher, but a bus boy. We no, expect that's not true. No, it's, that's a <laughs> joke. It was a joke. Get out of our, get out of the hate mail. It's, it's just a joke. <laughs> and No one, I think, at restaurants is, I don't think anybody working at a restaurant gets off their shift and they're like, meh, I feel like murdering <laughs> someone. I'd be bear- like, yeah, I feel like drinking.
1: and she had said like britney when she was given her original story was like they made me empty out the safe and the cash register so then they were like was it about money it's like no she got
0: caught and she was like fuck was this how why would they have made her empty out the cash register because most of the time like if you like the safe yes but you put the money from the cash registers in the safe yeah it was the safe too so the cash register and the safe if they were closed, there wouldn't have been any money in the cash registers. Mhm. No, my time Ugh. at Sears. Did they leave cash in the in the? Oh, I don't know. I never had enough power I was like, you Sears. weren't there. <laughs> you I weren't at that know. level.
1: No, and I was like 17, so I couldn't work past 8.
0: No, no, you like you count down your drawers, you take out the money you earned. It's the difference, right? You put the <laughs> money in the bag and then everything else goes in the safe. That's how I'm you the close la- a store, everyone. I'm laughing because I was trying to be super
1: cool. And again, if you're a Patreon, you'll get to see this. And I try to throw this olive in my mouth and I missed. it. you and-
0: miss? I missed it because I was too butt deep in my own. Like, no, that's not how you do it. This is now why I- this is wrong.
1: Now I'm super bummed. And I'm going to find an olive in like a week that rolled away. And I'm gonna be like, ugh, olive. You just eat it. It's also a waste <laughs> of an olive. Damn it. And I also just thought that... Uh, crumpled up all of it like a fermented olive is a grape, and I'm like, or a raisin. I was like, that's not the right. That's not the right.
0: Man, what's a fermented olive like a like a sassy grape or a sassy sassy raisin?
1: So this one's like fermented <laughs> with vodka from this Bloody Mary. So it's
0: <coughs> gonna there, be like, is there a raisin? A raisin? Oh my gosh! Like, is there a raisin version of olives? Is it just like dried fruit? Do they have dried olives? <laughs> isn't all, an olive isn't a fruit? Is it? I know. I'm just saying. But they have dried vegetables a, too, don't they? I don't know. Clearly, I don't. Is eat it a legume? Healthy. What's an olive?
1: <laughs> I don't know. What's, what's, what's an olive? What's a stew? What's chili? Like
0: <laughs> we're asking the riveting questions on <laughs> gruesome podcasts. uh it is a fruit. Really? Yeah, it's a small oval fruit with a hard pit. Yeah. I guess it would be like a stone fruit, considering it has a pit in the middle, right? It's like a cherry? Yeah. It's like Cherry's Cousin? (laughs) Cherry's Cousin Olive. (laughs) Aww. Those are some good names. That sounds like a cartoon that I'm about to write. I'm going to give you guys
1: $500 if you name your kids Cherry and convince your cousin to name their daughter Olive.
0: We're not going to give you money.
1: If you do $500 that. in Monopoly money.
0: <laughs> but it was doll hairs. Doll hairs.
1: 500
0: <laughs> Doll hairs. <laughs> All right, Shut- guys. All right. Yeah, that's good. Shout out that reference when you're done.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Gruesome
0: Horrific True Crime. We love you, beautiful strangers, and if you love us too and you'd like us to keep putting out ad-free content, here are some of the ways that you can help support Gruesome.
1: You can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. This helps other true crime connoisseurs find us and you get a I knew them before they were famous moment.
0: Follow Gruesome Podcast on Instagram and talk to us on our posts. Engage with us. we love to hear from you there. If you'd like to send a donation, we have a Patreon. Sign up to join our True Crime
1: Sticker of the Month Club and to gain access to exclusive Patreon perks.
0: If a one-time donation is more your thing, you can find our Venmo at Gruesome Podcast and our PayPal using our email, gruesomepodcast at gmail.com.
1: Speaking of which, we love hearing from you. It seriously makes our whole life. So send us questions, comments, suggestions, or just ask our opinion on whether or not that person you met on Tinder is a serial killer or not.
0: Tune in next week and don't forget, lock your windows, lock your doors, and on Wednesdays, we're gruesome. gruesome. Bye. Bye.